Hello, I'm Daryl Rutt, and this is Camp Ridgers, the Dakota Rustler Show, curing insomnia for exactly one month less than Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, yet you tune in anyway. All right, before I get to today's topics, I have a major announcement. Beginning next week, this show is going to have a new name. It will be called News Folder 19. That's News Folder 19. And for the story on why the name change, go to the new website, newsfolder19.com. That's the number 19. Newsfolder19.com. The complete switchover, along with products that now have the new logo, should be finalized by the end of the month. With that said, mosey on up to the speaker and give a listen. New story number one. Last week, Target said that it will close nine stores in four states saying that theft and organized retail crime have threatened the safety of its workers and customers. Those stores include one in East Harlem, New York, three in San Francisco, three in Portland, Oregon, and two in Seattle. Nearly 30% of national retailers surveyed reported being forced to close a specific store location. Roughly 30% said they needed to change or reduce product selection in stores as a direct result of retail crime. Target claims it has invested heavily in strategies to prevent theft, such as adding more security workers, using third-party guard services, and installing theft deterrent tools like locking up merchandise. All of this costs money to implement, everyone. It's a cost that gets added onto what you, as the consumer, pay at the register, all because... These liberal enclaves don't know how to, or even care to, prevent crime and lock people up. Personally, if it's blatantly obvious that a theft is taking place, shoot first to maim and ask questions later should be an option. Yeah, I said it, and I don't know exactly how far I'm kidding on that one. Target CEO Brian Cornell stated that he didn't want to resort to closing stores despite mounting losses, but... What's a business to do, except go out of business? Target's expected loss to theft this year, $1.2 billion. And that simply means that you pay far more at the checkout counter. Businesses don't exist to break even. Cornell also stated that violent incidents against workers at Target stores increased 120% for the first five months of the year compared with the same period a year ago. You know, maybe all the retailers should have the same slogan, accept a job, get beat up. This is what happens when we pity poor people who would rather steal than work. It needs to end. The National Retail Federation, the nation's largest retail trade group, said it's in its latest security survey of roughly 177 retailers found that inventory loss equaled $112 billion in losses. That's $334 extra for every man, woman, and child in this country. This is money you have to go out and earn to pay for what you need, all because of thieves. So yes, 
thieves should be shot. They are violating your sovereignty. News story number two. In more theft news, groups of teenagers on two consecutive nights, and it may have been longer, I didn't check, swarmed into stores in several areas of the Philadelphia area in apparently a coordinated effort, stuffing plastic bags with merchandise and fleeing. Well, of course they fled. Who's dumb enough to stick around once they steal something? Eh, some people are, I guess. However, police did manage to arrest numerous people. The flash mob style ransacking at stores including Foot Locker, Lululemon, and Apple came after a peaceful protest over a judge's decision to dismiss murder charges against a Philadelphia police officer who shot and killed a driver through a rolled up window. That's a whole nother story. But like any group of complete idiots, they decided to loot stores in protest instead of looting the courthouse. Both are wrong, don't get me wrong, but at least the latter would be somewhat understandable. The thefts and unrest stretched from downtown to northeast and west Philadelphia, leaving smashed display windows and broken storefront coverings. As I stated in the previous story, shoot them. Looters will only get the message if they start dropping dead in droves. Quote, this destructive and illegal behavior cannot and will not be tolerated in our city, unquote, according to Mayor Jim Kenney, a Democrat. Well, apparently the mayor is wrong because it did happen, and it will continue to happen, at least until you and your police grow a pair and put thugs in jail to stay. In North Philadelphia, a pharmacy owner said his store is broken into for the third time and had items taken. Perhaps this person should pack up and leave for better grounds, because I certainly would. If looters think that their cities and their well-being are ever going to improve by destroying those who do business in their cities, they are wrong. Businesses have little they can do other than perhaps what they should do to Senator Menendez and other politicians that take bribes. Put them behind bars. New story number three from Reuters. Ford Motors has decided to hit the brakes, pardon the pun, on a planned $3.5 billion battery plant in Michigan. Global automakers are launching scores of new electric vehicles in the United States and pouring billions of dollars into new EV and battery plants. But few of them, besides Tesla's Model Y and Model 3, are selling at volumes high enough to support a full-scale assembly plant. Tesla sold 325,000 vehicles, or more than all of its competitors combined. In comparison, the Bolt sold a mere 35,000, and Ford's Mustang Mach-E chalked up only 13,600. Nowhere near enough volume to fill a typical assembly plant, which needs to operate at 80% of capacity or more to be profitable. How many times have I stated that an all-EV society is never going to happen? I stick by it. While EVs may be an optimal choice for some, granted they are, 
Most people are smart enough to see the flaws for their own particular situation and they don't want them and that includes me. Electrified vehicle sales, including plug-in hybrids and fuel cell vehicles, did capture 8.9% of the U.S. market during the first half of this year, which is actually up 2.6 percentage points from a year earlier, but it's still not enough to be profitable considering that the market share was divided up among 103 different models. We simply have too many models. Choice is great, but we have too much choice at this point. In July, Ford forecast a full year loss of $4.5 billion on its EV unit, 50% higher than projected earlier this year. It said it was slowing its EV production ramp up. In a media presentation last week, Cox Automotive noted that Tesla has surrendered some share of the U.S. EV sales this year as more entrants hit the market, but it still commands nearly two-thirds of all EV sales. No other brand has more than 10%. Yes, prices have fallen, but they've got a long way to go. They fell to 53,376 in July from a nearly, well, from nearly 70,000 a year ago. While many of you may think EVs are the next big thing, I don't see more than about a quarter of the population wanting them. I've been saying that for years. Midwest cities are simply too far apart for today's technology, and sardine-packed cities on both coasts just don't for have the room Dakota for Rustler endless related, roads please of visit DakotaRustler.org. The website contains that, links to media to sites, a, break a merchandise store, back, and a button to donate to the show. Your away. support helps to pay for expenses of production, as well as research time. Feedback is appreciated, Hello, and comments back or topic to ideas Rustler can be sent show. to the email address listed on the website. Sponsorships are also available if Don't you have a business to, to promote. Like now, back to the show. Whatever format you're listening to it on. And in addition, my usual shout out to Dan Heim and to Vinnie Camilleri who provide the music for this show. And also Arbel Kimmick who does the voiceovers. News story number four. The Federal Trade Commission and 17 state attorneys general have sued Amazon alleging the e-commerce behemoth uses its position in the marketplace to inflate prices on other platforms, overcharge sellers, and stifle competition. The complaint claims how Amazon is now exploiting its monopoly power to enrich itself while raising prices and degrading service for the tens of millions of American families who shop on its platform and the hundreds of thousands of businesses that rely on Amazon to reach them. First of all, as much as I hate Amazon, I don't have an account, I'm going to defend them. Amazon is not a monopoly. A monopoly means I have no other choice. Like my trash provider or my electric provider where I live, I have no choice. This is not the case with Amazon. No one needs Amazon. It is simply a convenient way to shop and an opportunistic way to sell, but it doesn't need to happen that way. 
In the lawsuit, the FTC does not argue that Amazon is a monopoly because of its size, but because it uses its position as both an online seller and online marketplace to deny meaningful competition. The complaint argues Amazon stifles competition by imposing anti-discounting measures that prohibit merchants who sell products on Amazon from offering lower prices elsewhere. Again, while Amazon may be a good place to sell your product, merchants are not forced to use them. It is a choice. The filing alleges the company forces third-party sellers to pay high fees for its fulfillment services, prioritizes in-house products over third-party products, takes close to half of every dollar from the typical seller that uses Amazon's fulfillment service, and requires merchants to use the company's delivery and fulfillment system in order to qualify for Prime. Again, don't use them. No one is holding a gun to your head, whether you're buying or whether you're selling. Amazon supposedly controls 82%, think of that, 82% of the online retail market, making it a virtual necessity for merchants to sell their products on the platform in order to reach most online customers. And that, my friend, is the price of convenience. You the consumer made them what they are you the consumer because you wanted to sit in your lazy ass instead of getting up and shopping in an actual local store made them what they are you the consumer now want government to fix the monster you helped create why because too many of you sell your morals for convenience Shame on you. New story number five from the AP. A new law in California will raise the minimum wage for fast food workers to $20 per hour next year. An acknowledgement from the state's Democratic leaders that many in the workforce are often primary earners for their low-income households. This just blows my mind. In my day, if you were over 20 years of age and under 60 and not the manager of McDonald's, you were considered a loser. Fast food jobs were designed for teenagers and retirees. They were not designed to be full-time, provide-for-a-family type jobs. And making these jobs mainstream is an embarrassment to our society. The state's minimum wage for all other workers, $15.50, less, is already among the highest in the United States. This is even more of an embarrassment. California is glorifying fast food workers above all other jobs, including nurses, police officers, teachers, snow removal teams, bank workers, and others that actually keep America running. We don't need fast food at every corner. Not only that, but it glorifies an industry that helped make this country the fattest, laziest, least healthy, advanced society on the face of the planet. Fast food is directly related to the nation's health care problems. 
Newsom's signature reflects the power and influence of labor unions in the nation's most populous state, which have worked to organize fast food workers in an attempt to improve their wages and working conditions. Well, I'm so happy you organized them, because the next place they're going to get organized will be the unemployment line. Food services are already switching over to automation. This will only speed up the process. Need proof? On the same day I saw this story, I also saw a story on robot waiters. Yeah, think about that. There's already robot pizza makers and burger flippers. Waiters are right around the corner. The moment was almost too much for Anisha Williams, who held back tears. as she spoke during a news conference just before Newsom signed the bill. Williams, a mother of six, seven if you count her beloved dog, (laughs) works at a jack-in-the-box restaurant in Inglewood. Well, I'm sorry, but maybe instead of spreading your legs and popping out children like Pop-Tarts in a toaster, you should have been learning and training for a real job. You know, like a nurse. A police officer, a teacher, the jobs I mentioned a few paragraphs ago. For the record, the new minimum wage for fast food workers will apply to restaurants with at least 60 locations nationwide, with an exception for restaurants that make and sell their own bread, like Panera Bread. So once again, here we have a law that will hurt some mom-and-pop startups, if not a lot of them. Why would someone apply at a job at a fast food business that's just getting started and hasn't been incorporated when they can get an additional four and a half, five bucks an hour at a corporate fast food restaurant? Things like this is why people are leaving California, and that includes some businesses. So there you have another podcast. See you next week as News Folder 19. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Dakota Rustler Show, a production of DL Root, Buzzsprout.com, and their affiliates. Any unauthorized use of this show is prohibited. Until next time, have a great day, and don't forget to subscribe.